What's God got you alive for? You know, I, I like the end of this video right here where she just says, I'm called to do this, and I know I'm called to do this. The rest is really, it's up to God. You know, what he does with my life. All I can do is show up and love God. He'll do the rest. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that individually? And do we believe that even corporately as church project? Do we believe that all a job is to show up, to look at our creator in the eyes, to love him, let him love us, and then just go through life experiencing what he has for us, loving others? I'm excited. Um, we're going to be moving into just a time here in church project where we begin to look very specifically as to what each and every one of us, what, are, what our spiritual giftings are. This, this right here video is, obviously, it's from Houston, one of our, you know, Houston Church Project, and um, congratulations, we just started a, um, a church project in Cincinnati this week as well, um, another one's already in the pipeline, there's six going on in Church Project Network, which really means nothing to us, except God's message is getting furthered, and that's what it's about, who cares what the name behind it is, but it's pretty cool that we get to be part of this network. It's pretty cool that we get to see even these stories of people that they're living the way that God has designed them to live down in Houston. And I thank God for that. And I hope it encourages you today. Uh, The message today is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, please get one from under under your chair. There's There's a Bible under this chair here. There's a lamp over on the left or in the back. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get it to you. Um, we're going we're gonna to go through these verses today. They're very good verses. Before we get into them, I want to ask us a question. How many of us worry? Sometimes we worry that we're not worried, or we're worried that we're even worried. Like there, Our worry levels can go multiple directions. We like to worry about so many things. I remember in, in junior high, my worries... You know, the dance, remember the dance, that's every guy's, you know, nightmare in junior high, worrying about the dance, you know, how do you dance and all this stuff and the worries I had then and moving into high school, I remember the worries that I had in high school and college. It, you know, a lot of my worries seemed to rotate around math, by the way, Any, anything that had to do with math, it made me worried, but now I have different, I have a whole different set of worries. Different than I did in junior high, different than I did in high school, but I still have worries. And I got to say, worry is one of the things that creeps up in me when I'm being honest. I mean, I have a mortgage. Anyone else have a mortgage, rent, you know? I have, I have kids, and in, in college, it's easy to not worry about food because I could just live on ramen noodles and, you know, Arby's sandwiches for three weeks. But now, I've got two kids and a wife, and I can't ask them to live on Arby's sandwiches. Like, these, these worries are... Are, are different. I'm, I, I've been called to be a provider. I have worries. They're very real. They're tangible things that, that I worry about. Do you worry? Our culture, just America, our culture, I think it's funny. And at the beginning of the year, you know, we're pushed, set goals, you know, set, set your goals. And, and then we, we, we set them so lofty, like up here goals that we're going to achieve this. We're going to lose X amount of pounds or whatever our goals may be. We're, we're going for that. But if you're like me, I'm, the way I'm wired, I, I'm worried that I'm not making that goal. Is that you? Anyone else? It's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make that goal. And so I begin to worry and 
And then when I actually achieve that goal, I'm like, well, now I need to set something higher so I can worry about something else, right? It's just like this, this pattern of worry, like I got to achieve this. Or, or there's the opposite of that where it's like I feel like a failure because I didn't achieve these goals, like worry. and ah, Sometimes we just need to loosen up a little bit. We need to realize that God is in control. Physiologically, what does worry do to our body? I mean, it stresses us out. Anyone have ulcers in here from worrying? Any of you gain 40 pounds because of worry? Like, physiologically, God has designed our body not to worry. But yet, our culturally, we, we uh, just set ourselves up for failure in this a lot. The passage talks about this today. But before we get into this, I, just, I want us to pray. I want us just, just to spend some time in reflection. Just, just close your eyes and say, God, uh, here I am this morning. Please calm my mind and my heart. God, I want to hear from your word today. Okay, let's look at Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. I'm going to read through them, and then we'll begin to talk through them. If anyone has thoughts, then just shout them out. But I think God's going to show us some cool things today. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 starts out and says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, his disciples, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. By the way, there's another version. And this is what it says. I love it. Instead of you fool, it says, excuse me, Mr. Brilliant. I love that. God says, excuse me, Mr. Brilliant, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storerooms or barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add one single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Verse 27. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. And do not be afraid, little flock. 
For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that you will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you worry? Don't raise your hand. How many of you worry? Darlene, you like to raise your hand. We worry. If we're humans, I believe we worry. Look at verse 13. We'll begin to kind of walk through this. I think it's funny. Someone in the crowd says, Teacher, um, tell my brother to divide the inheritance between me. Jesus says, Man, dude, serious, come on. It says, who appointed me judge or an arbitrator between you? If you notice right here, in, the, in, in, the, in this time, in this, in this time of period, especially the Jewish um, symbol was, was for land. To be Jewish meant you had land and that was religious and that was financially, that was economical, that was good. It was a good thing to have land. And so this Jewish man is there and here comes along Jesus. And who is standing there? It's Jesus. And, and he, says that, he says this, the man's looking at Jesus And he goes, I'm not concerned about what you're talking about, by the way. I'm concerned about my land. I'm concerned about the short-term stuff that's going on right here. Okay, here we have Jesus. Jesus, the, the God in human form. And what is he talking about? In the verses before even, what is he talking about? He's talking about fleeing away from the Gehenna, the Valley of Gehenna, where they would take little children and sacrifice them to the God of Moloch. And he's talking about hell and how not to go to hell. And he's talking about eternal things. God in human form, incarnate, is sitting there and he's talking and he's teaching about eternal things. And the man says, question. What should I do with this inheritance thing? Like, tell my brother. And Jesus is like, serious, bro, dude? Really? Like, we're talking about this, and you're stuck in this. We're talking about eternal things, and you're stuck in the temporal, today, what's going on, the bland, the meaningless. And here he is, this man, pulling God Almighty into the temporal moment. Do we do that? Do we, do we take just, you know... What God is showing us and who he is in our life and our giftings and our callings and all this stuff. And we hear this incredible message of truth and eternal life and hope and all this stuff. And Jesus is just speaking it to us and his Holy Spirit is pouring it on our hearts. And we're like, yeah, 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 that's good. But I got a question about something. And it's just way over in the right field. Anyone see Obama this week with one of the hecklers? Anyone see that? No? I, I guess I'm on the internet too much. It's just, a little, it's just a little clip, but Obama's doing his thing. I don't even know where he was at. And, and some heckler in the back started saying something. And, and, and Obama's like, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> like what, what are you saying? You know, you just kind of completely threw him off, that heckler. You know, I feel like this is what Jesus is saying right here. He's standing up and he's talking about the importance and who he is in eternal life. And the man is like, way over here in left field, right field, whatever you call that. Do we do that when God speaks to us? Do we? We hear these incredible messages and we don't even hear them. We don't even receive them. They just kind of go over us. 
See, Jesus, I think, also is showing us a really cool thing because at this time, land is so important for the Israel, the Jewish people. And, and this guy, to be, to be fair, what you would do if you had a dispute with your brothers, you would go to a rabbi and tell him your dispute, and the rabbi would help settle it. To be fair to the man, this is what he's doing. But in essence, what is he doing? He's putting Jesus as just another good rabbi. Here's just another good teacher. Here's just another man right here. And he's missing Jesus incarnate, the power of Jesus right in front of him. I think Jesus is also showing us, if you look out at kind of the bigger picture of this passage, I think Jesus is showing us something else as well. This land is so important to the Jewish people. And Jesus is saying, this land that you used to be so worried about, it's not important anymore. This message that I'm showing is not just for my chosen people anymore. It's just not for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. This message is for men and women. It's for the slaves. It's for everyone. So what you used to be caught in right here, stop getting caught in this because this big message is for everyone at large. And he makes a very good point at this when this man's talking about this important land thing and Jesus is like, whatever. Let's get on to the bigger message of why I've come to live. See, Jesus is coming, and he's coming to shower grace on every race, from Jews to Gentiles to men and women and to everyone. And Jesus' love is starting to flow in this direction. I think that's pretty cool. Jesus is talking about eternal life, and this man is stuck in just the small things. And he's reduced Jesus, the eternal Jesus, to, to pull him into the mundane things of focused on this one thing. And in essence, what he does is he turns Jesus into the, God, I know you're here and you're talking about eternal life and wonderful things, but please bless me. Please, please fix this. Please be my Santa Claus. Please be right here in this moment. And do we do that to Jesus? We reduce him? and his position, and his power in our life. And we ask him to play on our terms. Let's go to verse, uh, where are we at? Verse, verse 15. Then he said to, to them, his disciples, he says, watch out. Remember just earlier, passage before, he said again to his disciples, watch out. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. I, I love it how he's like, watch out. Watch out for greed. We are consumed with all kinds of greed. Just like this rich man. We're consumed with all kinds of greed. And, and we're about to get in here and, and talk a little bit more about this. But, but how many of you have ever been this? You go to someone's house and you see a bigger TV. There's one that's nicer. You're like, man... I'd like one of those. No, or, or, or you see a nicer car and you're like, man, I sure would like one of those cars. It, it, has, it has, you know, heaters in the seat. <laughs> I really like those, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes in marriage counseling, um, this is the one thing I'll say. I'll say, you know, hey, try not to achieve what your parents achieved in 30 years. Like, don't go out and buy that house that your parents have. It took them 30 years to get it. Like, be slow. Be okay with sitting on futons and eating ramen noodles. Don't go get a credit card. Don't just start trumping God on everything. Take your time and slow. Because greed, especially an American, can come in and just inundate our lives. I struggle against greed. Do you? I struggle. It's a fight for me. I see things that are cool that other people have. And sure, sure the Christian thing is to say, oh, I'm so glad you're blessed. That's good for you. And then I drive off, and I'm like, what the heck, man? What? Come 
on. Come on, I can't have this. <laughs> now, I think it's important here to say that God isn't, he's, he's not really talking about saying sin, it, it's a sin to be rich. It's, he's not talking about that. We can see multiple places in the Bible. 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19 talks about doing good with the wealth that God's given you. He's not saying wealth is a sin. In fact, just look at the church history. How did the church start? It started in house churches. Here, here's two of the house churches. Acts 16, verse 14 and 15 is Lydia. And she is a very effluent, very rich businesswoman. She dyes garments. And she is the first convert to Christianity for European. And she hosts the first house church in her house. Thank God that she's there. Thank God that she's using her wealth for that. Look, Romans 16, 3 through 5 is Priscilla and Aquila. Same thing. They have a house church. And where are they meeting in their house? Because their house is big enough to hold people. They have money and they're using it for God and his kingdom and his purpose. So Jesus isn't talking about wealth right here. We can get on other topics that, or other passages that talk about wealth. But he's not talking about that right here. He's talking about greed. So let's go to verse 16 to 21. I want to read through these. And he told this parable, the grounds of a certain rich man, by the way, he's already rich. Did you catch that? And say the grounds of some poor man who's barely making it. He says, the grounds of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So wealth upon wealth, right? Yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Any, any of you have that problem? So many crops you don't know where to store them? Anyone? No? No. Dang it. <laughs> Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my small little small barns and I'll build up this huge big barn that I can put all my grain in. And in verse 19, I said to myself, I have plenty of grain to, uh, laid up for many years. So I'm going to take it easy and I'm going to eat and I'm going to drink and I'm going to be merry and I'm going to love life and I'm going to retire on the beach and it's going to be awesome. Verse 20, but God says to him, you fool, excuse me, Mr. Brilliant. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. What do we see here? We see here a man that he's saying, I finally reached what I've been working for for so long. I have finally reached this. And in essence, I don't need anybody or anything, let alone God. I've got everything that I need. We can pass a point of need to want so quickly. And I believe, I'll just go on a limb and I'll say all of us in this room, we live in the land of want. We have all of our needs taken care of. I mean, it's cold in here, but it's getting warmer in this building. That's pretty nice, isn't it? We could be in here with it cold. We don't need it to be warm, but we sure want it to be, and it sure is nice when it's warm. We live continually in a land of want. 
If you don't believe me, just go with me next time we go to Haiti. Just go with me. And then we can have this, this, this discussion again. I know I live in a land of want. All my basic needs are taken care of. I've seen people in Mexico. I've seen little kids in Haiti. I've been around a little bit, and I have seen what it means to live in a land of need. I need something. I need food. I need clothing. I need water. But I don't live in that. I live in a land of want. Hear this man. He's definitely moved beyond the land of just need, and he's moved on to the land of want. And, from need, and I believe he even moved on to the land of greed. It went from need to want to greed. And Jesus is looking at him and saying, you fool. You fool. Security, what is security? Do you, can you really take care of yourself? Really? Do you think that grain is enough to take care of yourself? Really? What about a fire? What if that fire took out your grain? What about... We think that we can take care of ourselves and we don't need God. If we think that, we are in such a dangerous place. When you live for yourself and you're rich for yourself, you're not rich to God. So church, are we living for ourselves or are we living for God? Are, Are we living and having our life, everything that we have in our life, beg the question, how does this bring glory to God? Everything that we have in our life should ask us and, and, and beg the question, how does this bring glory to God? Like, for example, you like how I'm dressed today? I like talking about being dressed. Jeremy and I match, by the way. Did you notice that? We planned that so it would bring glory to God. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Everything that we have should ask and beg the question, how can I bring God glory with this item, with this money, with this resources, with these talents, with our spiritual giftings? How can I bring God glory with my life, period? How can we move out of the land of great greed and even the land of great want and, and live in the need land and, and live in the point where we're, we're trusting in God for everything? And you don't have to be poor financially and live in the land of need. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. It's do I deserve this? Have I earned this? Is this mine? Or is everything I own God's? I have a, I have a friend who I won't say his name because it'll embarrass him. We have this ongoing conversation. And it kind of goes like this. Aaron, I hate life. I'm like, well, what's new? You always hate life. I'm like, why do you hate life? I just hate my job. I hate what I'm doing. I sound like Napoleon Dynamite there, huh? I hate everything. Except the tots. Give me your tots. Chad, you got me off track, bro. Jeff, is this a good time to sing? You got to come up here, man. You, you are, come on. Come on. Come on. Jeff's going to sing for us. Yeah, he's a singer. You didn't know it? Unless you want to.
Uh-oh. Can I go to lunch? Yes, you can. We'll call that an intermission. <laughs> Yesterday was our oldest member's birthday as well. Grandpa, 88. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Got birthdays all over the place. I mean, I have a birthday cake. Ray, whoop us up a birthday cake. Yeah, and grandma's too, 88. 87. 87, okay. There you go. You, you married a young one there, huh? <laughs> so back to my friend after this intermission here. Everyone go to the bathroom, get your snacks, come back in. Back to this friend. Aaron, I hate life. Give me your tots. <laughs> I need to focus. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and, uh, and it's sad. And honestly, it's a sad conversation. Because it just kind of goes in circles. And it's been going in circles in years. This man is so talented. I mean, he's so, so talented. But he's letting his talent kind of go to waste. And you know why, honestly, when I probe and I get down to the reason why? It's because he's got a good 401k building up right now. And he doesn't want to walk away from that position. Well, if that's what's important for you, then live your life. Worrying about your 401k. Because I know a lot of people that lost most of their 401k. So I hope that goes well for you. What excuses do we, do we put in the way? What greed, what wealth, what things are we trying to control? Really, we can't control anything. No, really, we can control something. Keep our eyes focused on Christ. And when they deviate, when they go off, put your eyes right back on Christ and keep making that our goal because there's nothing in this world that is going to last. Our marriages will fail. Grandpa, how long have you been married? 67. 67 years. That's awesome. Thank you. Beautiful. You can't write a better picture than that. But eventually the road ends. Even with a beautiful marriage, it eventually ends. Our health, believe it or not, I'm not going to be this strong forever. Our finances are going to disappear. Things are going to happen in our life. And it's going to be a great shame if we look back on life and we say, I missed it. I missed it. I was greedy, I was worried, and I didn't keep my eyes on Christ. I remember hitting a point in my life where I was, I was making okay money. We were pretty happy. And we were on the trajectory of being in charge of big, huge ministries and doing worldwide things. And I remember looking up, thinking, this isn't what God has for us. It's been great, but this isn't what God has for us. And I remember how scary that was. And I remember the moment I talked with my wife and said, we need to move to Mexico for a year and unplug from this trajectory of success. <laughs> Best conversation we ever had in our life. I'm so glad at that point in our life that Lauren had enough faith that we could follow God and we could throw things away. We wouldn't be here today. Just as us, as a church gathering, had we missed that moment. What moments are you missing in life because of greed, because of worry, because of 401ks, because of whatever it may be? Don't miss those moments. Risk it all. If God is saying something, go for it. Throw your hat over the fence. Give yourself no backup. Run after God with all your might. 
He's there. The next verses are, are just beautiful. God says in verse 22, when, when I worry, I'm saying that basically I don't trust God with this one. Right? I mean, look at verse 22. When Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Did you know worrying is a sin? If Jesus says, do not worry, and we worry, what are we doing? We're sinning. In essence, we're saying, God, there's an aspect of who you are that I don't truly trust. Like, you've told me that I can rely on you and not worry, but I'm going to worry. So, in essence, there's an aspect of who you are that I don't trust. How do you handle worrying in your life? Because I, I return to worry often, guys. I do. I worry all the time. How do you handle worry in your life? You know, when we're laying awake at night and worrying, how, how do we not do this? Well, let's just look at this passage alone, okay? One, it says, do not worry in verse 22. Then we get down to verse 24 and, and, and look what he says. He says, consider the ravens. Consider. Look at the song that, that we, we sang just a little bit ago. What are, what are the, the lyrics? Take a moment to remember who God is and who, and who I am. Something like that. Take a moment to remember who God is. Consider who God is. So when we're laying awake at night worrying about things, one, we need to remind ourselves, worrying, God says not to. I need to not worry. Well, how do I do this? I do it by verse 24. I consider who God is. I go outside and I take a walk. I look around. I think of the flowers. I think of the birds. I think of how God has clothed everything and how he's provided for me to this point already in my life. Are you keeping a praise journal? Where you go back and you read multiple times of how God has provided in your life. Don't worry. Consider the things about God. He's already provided everything that you need. Goes through and he talks in these verses about the flowers. I don't know how he feeds flowers to you. Birds, I don't know how he feeds those things to you. It's not our concern. He keeps them alive. Your life is not your concern. He's going to keep you alive. Focus on God and who he is. And when we expire and however we expire, we expire. Get down to verse 30. I skipped a whole bunch in there, but they, they say basically the same thing. God's providing for everything. Get down to verse 30. He says, for the pagans, but the pagan world runs after such things. About greed and about worrying. The pagan worlds do this. Your father knows that, that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry. Consider who God is. Seek his kingdom. Stay focused on him. The pagan worlds run, runs after the things uh, that are of greed. When I'm comparing my life with, every, with what everyone else is doing. When I'm thinking about the bigger this or the more that, or um, I'm trying to follow other people and how they're living, and the pagans, have the, this world, how they're living their life. When I begin to judge myself and align myself up with other people and how they're living their life and the things in their life, what I've done is I've taken my eyes off of Christ and I've focused on the things of the world. I think it's pretty weird that we can think of people that don't know Christ in our lives. And we go, how come I don't have those things? And we begin to compare ourselves to them. 
And we begin to look around and we begin to judge ourselves and, and even find our self-worth in what we do or we don't have. And I think it's really weird because, that we do this because Jesus says, I've come and I've saved you from that, that nature of sin. The nature of sin. You have a new nature. Now it's unnatural for me to live in the world of want. It's unnatural. God has come in and he says, live by the spirit. You can trust in me. The people that are pagans that don't know me, they know no other way. Don't judge them for that. They know no other way. But when you've come, when I've come into your life, I've given you a new, you are a new creation. You now have my spirit in you. And it's easy for you to focus on me, even though I fall away from that all the time. Anyone else here? Just me? Jason's nodding. There you go. I got some of those nods. And I'm running after what pagans run are running after. You know what that should do in our life, in my life? It should clue us in that we're not focused in on who Christ is. It should clue us in. When that greed starts to come up in us. So look at verse, um, let's go to verse, let's say 33. Yeah. Verse 22. Do not be afraid, little flock. Does anyone like to be called little flock? Sounds a little weird, but he is our shepherd. He does care for us. He does love us. And I think it's neat that thousands of people are there. And Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples again. Come here, little flock. I'm not worried about the billions of people. I'm worried about you individually. I'm worried about you individually, little flock. I love you. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Oh, oh sorry, guys. It's just here in the Bible. I didn't really write that up, but it's here. I wouldn't have written that for sure. That's messed up. But sell, sell your possessions and give to the poor. The poor Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief will come near and, and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you are holding on to your possessions, they are your God's. I mean, you know if that's you because as, as you read the Bible verse, it says sell all your possessions. You're like, eh, no, Mm-mm. no way. Now, is God calling us to go sell everything? Maybe. Maybe for some of us. Because we're holding on to that so much that it's become our identity and those possessions have become our very gods. Rich in the world or rich towards God? That should be the question. Now, some of us, I know some people that are rich in the world and they're rich towards God. I mean, I know some people that are loaded, have a ton of money. And these are the people, honestly, if I can speak openly, that are keeping church project going right now. (laughs) Because they're generous with their money. And a lot of them don't even live in Greeley. Live down in Houston. They live all around. Thank God for people that are rich in in the world, but they're rich towards God as well. Like they know how to use their wealth. They know how to use what God has given them to to support even church project and what God is doing at large and and to to support people in the ministry. You see this multiple times in the the book of Acts and we see it all over that that the rich people in the scripture were able to support the people that were going out and doing ministries like Paul. Anyone heard of Paul in the Bible? Wrote most of it. Supported by affluent Christians that knew how to use their wealth and be rich with God. 
That makes sense? But yet some of us, yeah, I'll go here too. We won't even give what God's asked us to give. Period. That Old Testament commandment, our 10%. By the way, I don't know who gives what, and I like it like that. I'm just going to sit in awkwardness. Because if that's you not giving, you probably should. But God even takes it a whole nother level. The Old Testament was give your 10%. That's the law, right? Well, we're beyond the law. We moved into the new world. The new, new world, Jesus says, oh yeah, that thing? No, that doesn't exist anymore. Sell everything and give it away. <laughs> Some of us, we're still struggling meeting way, that one way back there. Give till it hurts for somebody. Try it. Try it. Give, give till it hurts. It might actually help. Not them, you. <laughs> Hebrews 11 is a great book just to kind of read through, a chapter just to kind of read through. Um, it talks about putting off our inheritance now until later. Great men and women of the Bible that have done this and see the inheritance that God gives them. Hebrews 11, read it. Living by faith, it's awesome. I think I just want to kind of wrap up right here. I'm going to skip a little bit because I think I've gone a little longer today. I apologize for that. Um, but I want, to, I want to wrap up with this. Psalms 39, 6 through 7. If you know it, it's kind of obscure one to know. I, I came across this and I read it and I was like, I love the wording of this. But I especially love the last part of this. I think it summarizes even what we've talked about today. Psalms 39, verses 6 through 7 says, Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. I like that word. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth, wealth, without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Church, these are some incredible verses this morning. And I don't know how it's landed on your heart. I don't know if it was the part where Jesus again turns to his few disciples and begins to love on his little flock and look at them and just intimately care about who they are. I don't know if it was that for you. I don't, I don't know if it was the, you know, the guy that just was way out in left field, was missing Jesus completely, God Almighty sitting there talking. He's like, yeah, that's cool. And what about this? Is that you? Are you missing what God is doing in your life? I don't know if it was the, the part that was said, Jesus is saying, do not worry. And you're like, yeah, the easier said than done. Maybe that's you. If that's you, maybe you should consider who God is, what he's done, how he's already provided. Give him that worry. It's going to cause you an ulcer. Stop. Go exercise. Go relax. Don't take yourself so seriously. God's good. Look at the flowers. He cares for you. He loves you. Consider who he is. Seek after him. Don't compare yourself to the pagan world. 
Don't get lost in the things of the world. And ask God, how can I serve you with who I am, with what you've given me, everything, all that I am, how can I serve you? I'm going to ask you just to close your Bibles. Oh God, we, we want to hear you. God, I pray in this place, if there's any of, us, any of us right now that are worried, that we would just give that to you. Church, just breathe in God and faith in him and, and breathe out worry and anxiety right now. And just take a couple moments and give him your worry. Take a moment to consider who God is right now in your life. If you sit here this morning and, and you would say, Aaron, I don't, I really, I'm not sure who God is. I mean, the Bible, yeah, I think I have one somewhere. I haven't really read it in a while. Church, I haven't really gone in a while. Um, God, don't, not really sure. I mean, it's not that I don't like him. I just don't really know about him. Or If, if you sit here today and, and you can't say, I know who God is and I've given control of my life to him, I ask, why not? God loves you. He's patiently loving you. He's sitting there saying, give me everything. You don't need to worry, child. I love you. I've forgiven you of all wrong. Just call on my name. Surrender control of your life to me. If that's you today, church, that's just all of us. Just give control of our life to God. Say, God, here's my life. I want to run after you. I want to focus on you. I want you to be the Lord of my life, the Savior. Because I know that when I store up stuff, it can fail. I want to store up you. I want to build my inheritance in you. I want to speak life. I want to speak love. Some of us today, greed, man, takes us out. We look at the world around us and we say, how come I can't have more of this, more of that? All along, overlooking what we do have. May we be content with what God has given us today. May we be thankful, not content, thankful. Because we have so much in our life. Take a moment to thank God for what he's given you in your life. Ask him to take greed away from you. Let's not align ourselves and judge ourselves according to the world. Let's find our identity in who Christ is. Who he's created us to be. His grace, his love is beautiful. 
We're never too far away from him. He's always there. So this morning, will you dance with him? Will you walk with him? Will you experience his love? I want to ask us if you would just stand in this place. Let's let God continue to work in your heart. It's personal between you and God in this moment. So if you're at a point where you're saying, Aaron, I, I, I really would like to pray with somebody. We have Brant and Shannon up here on the front right. Please come pray. Don't leave here with something inside you that you, just, you need to get out. Come pray. Or just, or just stand there and worship God. Say, God, thank you. And consider who he is and praise his name. Multiple ways to worship. Some of us will write on the response card just prayer requests or things that God's doing and you can put it in the offering box on the back right. And yes, even worship can be offering as well. But this moment right here is between you and God. Please don't miss this. Please take it in for all that it's worth. God loves you and he wants to show you that. So let's continue to praise him and point to him today.